Welcome, welcome, welcome everybody to Let's Talk Trash. This is episode six, and this is what I promised, the second part of Triggers and Trauma, where we talk about solutions and strategies around what I brought up last week. So let's just revisit that really quickly. I talked to you about preparing for episode five and not realizing that there was some trash embedded in me as it pertained to how I approached or more accurately didn't approach the use of social media in my life at all and how my experience had silenced me and I was unwilling to put myself out in that space ever again because of the trauma. I talked about the necessity of trash management going back to uh, episode four, where we learned that it's important to clean out our environment because there are lingering or inorganic materials that remain in that trash. And so I described the triggers as the carryover toxins that are in the trash, that these are the things that linger in us long after the event is over. And then I brought up this subject of trace elements, trace elements being that little bit that's hidden, that inorganic material that are attractors to the world around us that have embedded themselves in our environment. And it causes us to attract the same kind of people, the same kind of situations, the same kind of circumstances, over and over and over, and we develop these patterns in our life and call them fate, but it's really the trace elements that we've allowed to remain in our trash that set us up for outcomes that we do not want. And then I ended talking about my physical condition at that time, how I was lethargic and sad and depressed and anxious and nervous and couldn't sleep and all of these other things, cloudy thoughts. And I promised that this week we would focus in on some solutions and strategies. So everyone, I'm Valerie Cheney. Let's talk trash today. So I have with me one of the power panel. I got my girl, health coach, compadre, colleague, my sis. Janine, how are you today? Hi, Miss Valerie. Oh my gosh, I'm so good. And I'm loving, loving, loving this podcast. I'm loving what we're talking about. Um, I'm loving the permission that we're giving people to dig deep and do the work. And I'm loving that you're not only providing a, a roadmap to the, the mining of that gold inside people, but you're also providing solutions. And this is so, so, so important. So I'm super happy to be part of the dialogue. Awesome. Awesome. So let's jump in. This is all around our physical well-being today. Soul focus. So Janine, you heard me bring up, I know you've listened to it by now and you came in towards the end of it. So you probably heard some of this part, but I'm going to try to kind of just walk through it a little bit if I can. Sure. You heard me talk about, I was younger. I was physically strong, but there were all of these things that I was experiencing in my physical body. I was lethargic. I didn't sleep well. I had insomnia. I had headaches. 
I couldn't keep food down. Talk to us a little bit about first, let's help our audience understand what's actually going on in our bodies when we are in these times of crisis and stress. Can we start there? Absolutely. I love it. Um, You know, I would love to start just by doing a a quick definition of what trauma is. Um, And I relate so much, uh, Val, to what you said about when we're younger, because sometimes we don't understand what's happening to us and we don't have words for it. And, you know, that it it surfaces later, Mm -hmm. you know, and and hopefully this work that we're sharing is going to help people deal with that sooner than later, because I know I waited, too, because I didn't understand what was happening to me. Um, so trauma, really a super, super easy definition. There are two sort of facets to trauma. So it could be a distressing or disturbing experience, right? Mm-hmm. So that takes care of the emotional, spiritual, or a physical injury, right? Mm-hmm. So there's two kinds of trauma, um, and they elicit different responses in the body. So, um, you know, physiological responses are the body's way of adapting to events, Right. So our bodies are literally sentient, trying to shift and adapt internally and externally. Right. Sometimes these adaptations are determined by genetics, um, by coping skills and responses we learned growing up, um, how our brains regulate. Right. And so in that sense, everyone's response to, to trauma is different. Right. And, you know, it's it's just as it's as different as a fingerprint. Yeah. Okay. So I ask a question here just to clarify something that my brain went to. Is that sort of our fight or flight? Absolutely. So we talk about the with. That's right. So we talk about the triune brain, like we have three Mm -hmm. layers to our brain. Right. And, you know, most of us function here with the frontal lobes. But, you know, back 10,000 years ago, when we were running from saber toothed tigers, That's the reptilian brain at work there, right? And as soon as your body is registering, right, that there might be a threat, Threat that part of the brain takes over, right? Right. That's the that's the deep reptilian brain fight or flight happening right there. And you know how you deal with those traumas or threats is deeply personal and very different from person to person, right? And so when talking to someone who's had trauma. It's really, you know, it's really important to be sensitive to the fact that there are a lot of contributing factors to how someone is experiencing trauma. How someone deals with a car accident is deeply different than how another person might deal with a car accident. And there's a lot at play here. Um, So we'll talk, you know, initial reactions when trauma is triggered. So it could be, you know, a stored trauma, especially early trauma from our childhood or young adult life, right? Um, so a couple of the things that that you had mentioned already, Val, that you experienced are very, very prevalent. So exhaustion, mm-hmm. confusion, sadness, anxiety, agitation that you don't understand why you're agitated. You can't quite put your finger on it, but there's mm-hmm. a low grade agitation. Um, some people experience numbness where they just shut down. Right. Down completely protective, right? Mm-hmm. Um, dissociation is another protective response to trauma. I want to talk about that for a minute because yeah, yeah. if we can just land right there, Janine. Yeah. yeah, I wrote that down too, right? Mm-hmm. And the mm-hmm. thing I just I didn't want to like overwhelm people the last episode. Sure. But when I finally did go have a conversation 
with a therapist about all of what was happening, right? Yeah. To try to get into that place of, of waste management, building my team, that was somebody on my team. And what triggered that conversation that day is that Janine, I woke up and my pillow was soaking wet. Wow, right. From right. tears. Yeah. And I kind of reached at my pillow and was like, wait, was I wasn't sweaty? I wasn't, why is my pillow soaking wet? And I sat there and it actually took me 30 seconds or more to connect to the fact that I was actually crying. I had begun to dissociate my emotions and my thought process unknowingly. This was happening unknowingly to me that it prompted me to make a call. How could I be crying and for tears coming down my eyes and for 30 seconds or more not realize it? And the therapist, as we talked, he said, Val, this is what we call dissociation. You're beginning to separate, right? And in it's what they shared and what I studied to find out later is that's how we split right. personalities. Right. The, right. the lowest form of that is dissociation. At its highest, we can actually separate mentally into multiple personalities. But right. I wanted to bring that, that up so that people understood what dissociation actually feels like experientially. Yeah. I mean, uh, thank you for sharing that. It's so deeply personal and vulnerable, and it gives everyone permission to 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 look for that if that's what they're experiencing, and have a right to, um, you know, trauma informed care, which exactly. is really really important, right? Mm -hmm. um, other things that can happen that are are sort of on the other end are sometimes people feel physically aroused; they are excited for no reason, right? Again, these are these are happening on a spectrum depending on who you are and how you process. Um, there's also something called the blunted effect, which is glossing. And that's, I was the queen of that for a while is, you know, oh, that's okay. That's okay. That's okay. It's okay. It's not really bothering me. And that's that they call that glossing, right? And just sort of, it's you telling your brain, oh, no, 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 no. I'm not really traumatized by that. I, I don't need to deal with that. It's fine when really it's not fine. And mm -hmm. that's a way to pe that people tend to push things down that have been hurtful or traumatic. So oh, the you trash compacting, there you go. The trash compactor, absolutely. 100% me. Um, and so let's go a little bit deeper if we could. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. The lasting or latent trauma from events can trigger immune and endocrine problems, right? Mm -hmm. So things like possibly heart attack, okay. yeah, diabetes, stroke, or even cancer. Right. So when things are prolonged and we call, you know, there's acute trauma in the moment. And then there's this chronic that just goes yeah. on and on. It's like abusive situations where, yes. you know, someone is stuck and they don't know how to get out. And that has a real wearing effect on the body. Right. Um, PTSD, mm -hmm. post-traumatic stress disorder is very, very real. Um, anxiety, depression, suicidality as well. You know, people feel like they have no hope. 
um, and if not treated, you know, and, and again, I want to stress for people, look for trauma-informed care, look for people who are trained to trained deal with this. this. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Um, and it, it, going a little bit deeper, the physical mechanism, right? Trauma sensitizes. Now I'm going to get a little sciencey on you. You know All me. Right, go I'm ahead. Big brain moment. Big brain moment. Go <laughs> ahead. <laughs> so trauma sensitizes hypothalamic pituitary adrenal access. We call it the HPA. So let me say that again. It's the hypothalamic pituitary adrenal access. This is essentially the body's central stress response system. And because trauma impacts this axis, it can affect our hormones, right? Mm. Release of adrenaline, cortisol, and oxytocin. Okay. Mm. Right. So we know about all those words, but about all those things. We know it. Trauma makes us more reactive to stressors and more likely to increase the stress hormone, specifically cortisol. That can be toxic when really, really high over time. So, you know, say, for instance, I'll give a hypothetical. You're being chased and it's dark, right? Well, you feel right here under your rib cage, the adrenals explode, right? And you can feel it when your adrenaline gets pumped and off you start to run, right? And your stress level goes from zero to 100 in like five seconds, right? So what happens though, if that that escape is prolonged and it's the stress is high, high, high over a period of time, and right? So is that like the switch just stays on? It just stays it- on. Well, eventually, exactly. Mm-hmm. Eventually you run out of adrenaline, your adrenals get depleted, right? And you start to, your body starts to release this cortisol, which over time can actually raise your cholesterol, right? Wow. Really, I really. Know it was part of weight gain. Exactly. It's part of weight gain. It's part of so sometimes cholesterol as well. Okay. Exactly. And again, you know, stress response is really important for people who are insulin resistant, pre-diabetic, diabetic, right? Because as soon as you're stressed, your sugar goes up, right? So it's really important to have those techniques of dealing with stress, especially if you're like me, you're insulin resistant, right? So trauma also reduces the release, reduces the release of oxytocin, which we call the love hormone. The love hormone. That's the love hormone, right? So when you have trauma, that that re- that reduces that release, right? So oxytocin normally boosts moods. It promotes human connection. But if you've got an overbearing adrenal situation, something that's lasting a really long time, your body will immediately say, well, you know, we're not actually in love right now. We're not actually. <laughs> we don't need that. Man. We don't need that. So we're going to pull that down while we pull everything up, right? Everything else else up. And so, you know, you've got that. Okay. What I, what normally could make me feel good is not getting released right now because I'm trying to survive this moment. Interesting, right? That's Um, a whole nother. That's that's a whole nother thing. So just that little section right there. We'll we'll put a pin in it. We'll put a pin in that. (laughs) And lastly, I want to just give a, give a brief touch on inflammation, which is really, really something that we need to think about on the daily. Um, Trauma can also lead to increased long-term inflammation. So when your sugars are up, when you're in fight or flight, your, everything becomes inflamed, right? You might wake up from a situation and you might have sore joints, like you had a headache, right? 
So that inflammation is very, very real and connected to our feeling centers in our brain. If we're feeling scared, if we're feeling threatened, you know, the inflammation is rising, right? Wow. All that, all of that thinking and sugars and hormones and feeling is all connected to us, right? And they're all responding in the moment. If the moment is prolonged, the wear and tear on the body is is more prolonged. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Janine, I'm hearing so many things. My brain is firing right now with questions, (laughs) but I'm going to land on kind of the last thing that you said around this sugars and inflammation. So Mm -hmm. what it sounds like to me is that when I am in these crisis, trauma, highly stressful situations, I need to actually be more intentional and conscious of my food intake and that perhaps, you know, the things that I go to that we all call comfort foods, maybe they're not the best choices in these types of situations. Can you talk about the food part of it and this, and this, am I on the right track with this? 100% 100% Val. And you know, our work, you and I, uh, our work as health coaches is really helping people understand what triggers them to eat in ways that they do. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, one of the big ways to deal with all of this are lifestyle adjustments. And we always say what you're putting in your mouth, what kind of motion or exercise, your sleep, all of that matters. So we can start with food. So, you know, immediately the type of eater you are, maybe you're an emotional eater, Maybe mm-hmm. you, you know, for me, I eat, I eat for comfort when I'm tired. I'm not an emotional eater. Some people stop eating when they're scared or when they're dealing with trauma, right? So knowing what kind of, um, of eater you are is helpful, right? And then thinking to yourself, well, okay, I'm feeling a craving, you know, it helps to have a health coach. So, you know, uh, you could always call your health coach you know, and say, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm dealing with this internal thing and I'm feeling like I want to just eat a whole pizza, you know? And we always say, you know, there's a couple of things that work there. A lot of that is former programming, right? You know, for me, I remember I grew up with, and you know, it was always my mom, Oh, have a bowl of cereal before you go to bed. It's so great if you'd have a bowl of cereal. And so every single night I fight with that craving because that's what I was programmed to think was normal, right? I don't need a bowl of cereal before I go to bed, but you know, I grew up doing that. So that's a habit that doesn't serve me anymore, right? But we always say too, replacing and not sort of like knuckling on things is is the key here to making lasting change. So if you're used to grabbing for a comfort food, replace that with something, right? So if you're grabbing a cookie, you know what? Maybe instead of a bowl of cookies, you know, you've got a couple of high protein bars, right? That are a little lower in carbohydrate and no sugar. The important thing is to stay away from the addictive foods when you're dealing, especially when you're dealing with trauma forever and ever. So white sugar, refined flour, lots of caffeine, lots of alcohol. These are all foods that cause inflammation as well. So not only are you piling on the inflammation because you're dealing with a trauma, but then Mm -hmm. you're also eating foods that have a high inflammatory response. And so you're literally increasing your own inflammation. Exactly. Issue, right. Exactly. You're exasperating the issue. And we're, we might, what I'm hearing is emotionally and psychologically, 
these comfort foods and and whatever it is, right? Whatever our thing is, the shopping, the alcohol, the right. drug, the sex, the eating, yeah. whatever the thing is that gives us comfort, psychologically, it makes us think it is, but physiologically, we are actually exasperating the issue and exactly. causing more chronic and prolonged issues to actually happen in our bodies. That's right. And when you understand how to substitute that thing, whatever it is that you need to deal with the trauma with something that serves you more, like, you know, you mentioned in the last episode, I'm a hiker and I'm going to get you out on the trails. I'm coming. Uh, I'm coming. (laughs) But that's one of my ways of dealing with stress. I get out in nature and I move my body and I sweat and it feels really good. But that wasn't always the way I dealt with stress. So I replaced one habit that wasn't serving me with a healthier habit. And because we are creatures of habit, we need to recognize that, you know, you can't just stop something. You want to go ahead and give yourself permission over time, 1% better every day to start replacing stuff. Um, So that's where the nutrition comes in. It's super, super important. Um, The healthy motion exercise can really help with blood pressure, with circulation, right? Um, And it really can bring down a traumatic response if you're out in nature, right? Or maybe you're, you know, doing yoga and mindfulness. Um, Sleep is really important when you're dealing with things traumatically, right? Because we know our minds turn on sometimes at night and they go places at night that they don't go during the day. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, ma'am. Yes, they do. They're (laughs) human. And then that wildfire I talked about, right? And you start one little thought and now there's this wildfire going off at night and you look (laughs) And it's been two hours and like, what in the world? What is you happening? Robbed yourself of two hours of sleep and rest. That's right. That's right. And we call that catastrophizing, right? Ah. So what started out as maybe a small problem in the dark of night when you're struggling and your brain is chewing on it. Yes, yes, it is chewing on it, but making it larger than it is. And when you wake up in the morning and you think to yourself, why? Why did I make that such a big deal? Why did I do that? And so having mindfulness before bed right? And we call it sleep hygiene. Super, super important, right? A lot of times when I'm chewing on something, I'll write it down before Mm -hmm. I go to sleep, right? And it's almost like a download, okay? And it gives my brain permission to leave it go for the night so that I can get my rest. You know, most of the time I'm successful, but we're human. Sometimes I have those nights where I go, okay, no, that wasn't that. I didn't download that. (laughs) I didn't let that go. No, right? Because, oh, I think of that story that started out Oh, the places we can go. Oh, the plate at night. <laughs> when right. Our thoughts are running rampant. We go to all types of places. So that's a good one. And yeah, absolutely. Suggestion and recommendation of download it. Dump, do a brain dump. Brain dump. Get it yeah. out of your head and onto yeah. the piece of yeah. paper and then yeah. revisit it when you have clarity. That's yeah. excellent. Excellent. And, you know, that's part of the sleep hygiene, you know, Mm -hmm. where, you know, when you're waking up, it's slow. We call it slow to go. Right. So you're starting out slow. We're not going to run out the door in track shoes and run 10 miles, you know, within 10 minutes of waking up. We need to really give ourselves an opportunity with some mindfulness. Don't check your email first thing. Right. Make sure you're you're right. Make sure you're allowing your body an opportunity to wake up healthily. Right. And then the same thing happens in reverse when we go to go to sleep. Right. Down, you know, get off the screen an hour before you want to go to sleep because we know that the blue light inhibits melatonin, 
production, right? And that melatonin is something that helps us fall asleep. So, you know, do that. We want to download, do a brain dump. Like you said, it's a great phrase. Put down the things that have been bothering you or the things your brain is chewing on. Leave it there on your bedside, right? Um, Dim the lights, right? Dimming the lights is a great way to deal with stress. If you're dealing with trauma, understanding that your circadian rhythms, right, at night are deeply affected by light. And if you're having trouble coming down from a stress or a trauma, dim the lights, right? Or, you know, just put on a little electric candle, shut all the lights and just breathe and have that mindfulness moment, right? Um, Another thing that really helps me, and I know it helps a lot of people that are dealing with, maybe it's a trauma that's off again and on again. Maybe you're dealing with a, you know, a, a, a challenging situation at work that sometimes raises its ugly head, or maybe sometimes it's, you know, it, it's benign, um, but joyous activities, you know, yes. joyous activities. So me, when I'm hiking, I hug trees. <laughs> oh I'll hug God. a big old I'm tree. I'm not hugging trees with her, y'all. You don't have to hug trees. Um, I like to go with my friends and I like to go dancing, um, you know, and being around people that have that kind of energy, that healing energy is really, really important. So I think we all have permission to, you know, be around people that feed us in that way. Yes. Right. Yes. 100%. Um, having fun, this will decrease cortisol. Um, other things that decrease the cortisol response, you know, the mindfulness, the meditation, and even breath awareness. Right. And I know Tracy Lovejoy took us through a beautiful meditation in one of the earlier episodes, right? Yes. where We were calming and we were mindfully really getting connected to ourselves Things like that are really, really helpful. So I, I hope these are all good suggestions that people these can use. are fantastic suggestions. And the Great. reason why I like them, Janine, thank yeah. you so much. Your insights around this and from being a dancer and being a researcher to help us connect that it's not just something that's randomly occurring. There is a reason. There is a scientific physical and metaphysical reason why the things we are experiencing are happening and bringing in our 1% better every day to this, that there are little tweaks that we can do. We don't have to change everything in our world all at once, Mm -hmm. right? We could replace the cookies with, here's something that I learned that A lot of times when we feel hungry, even during times of stress, we're thirsty. Bingo. Because what I didn't bring up was we become dehydrated as we are exuding all of these chemicals and hormones. We're actually, our body is working overtime and we're becoming dehydrated. So a simple thing is when you think you're hungry, just drink an eight ounce glass of water first. Love that. Absolutely. And I, I walk around with this 32 ouncer yeah. all day. I know you have your water. Four ouncer, right? Three of those every day. Yes. yes. But just in that moment, just yeah. use your 90 seconds. Remember when Janine talked about to shift where you are? 90 seconds. Stop, right. challenge, and then add something new. So challenge that feeling. Am I really hungry or can I drink a glass of water? And if it goes away, it was actually dehydration and not hunger. So just one little thing like that around the food. So think about, I love this question. 
I want our listeners to write this down. What type of eater am I? Yep. There's some power in that question, right? Because again, a lot of times we feel like we're in the victim chair and we have no control over what our bodies are now doing when we actually do. We can take ownership of this back and we don't have to, you know, this is not medical advice. Let me give the disclaimer. But some of the things that we are, taking Advil and Tylenol and different things that we're doing repeatedly, as we start to take some of the control back of what we're taking into our bodies in terms of the things we're eating, I have found that those things go away. This inflammation that I was starting to produce, like have achy joints when I woke up in the morning that I never had, as I started to do what I'm telling you, I don't know, in COVID, I just like got this cookie thing and my kids knew I loved them. And they were like, mommy's working hard. They would go get them for me. And I was loving it, eating all of these cookies and baked goods with the refined sugars in it that I did not connect to was actually producing this inflammation that when I said 1% better, I'm going to start taking them out a little bit at a time replacing it with water. So I'm not giving you any suggestion. I didn't already take myself replacing it with water. Guess what magically happened? And I'm saying magically in air quotes. <laughs> Inflammation subsided, Janine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, was it was reduced. And in some instances, in certain parts of my body, eliminated. So understand why we're eating. What kind of eater am I? The other thing I loved as we summarize this, recalibrate that past programming. Just because you've always done a thing doesn't mean you have to continue to do that thing. Recalibrate that past programming. We already talked about replace it slowly. 1% better. I started taking the cookies out slowly and replacing them with water. Whatever you can do, replace it and do it a little bit at a time. And that can make a big difference. I loved your idea of dimming those lights. Little can, you know, electric candle or light your candle. Now you have these lovely fragrances in your space. Men, you could do it too. Don't be like, they get no girl on me. Everybody needs Since you might like to bring the lights down, burn a candle. Just get yourself in this place of calm. My kids, I was complaining to them about it one day. They were like, mommy, put your phone on. Do not disturb. I was like, what? What's that? (laughs) Remember, I was the one that was like pushing back on all of this kind of stuff. So they taught me how to do that. So now I can silence all of what was going on from my work day invading my rest and relaxation and preparing for a good night's sleep time. So little things like that as well. And when we bring all of those, Janine, 1% better from all of these areas, we can actually start to notice that we are experiencing impactful change across the full spectrum 
of our lives. And that's so important. I got one last question. So suppose we we have somebody listening right now that says Janine and Valerie, all oh, that's good, but I'm already locked into a state where my body hurts and my joints aren't moving. Let's talk motion really quickly. Mm -hmm. Are there a couple of small things that people can do to get their bodies moving and get that lubrication in the joints without, you know, trying to lift a hundred pounds and bench press 200 all at once. Are there little things we could do? There are. I love that you, you mentioned the word lubrication, Val. So the, the joints in our body are mostly synovial in nature and the synovium in the joints releases the synovial fluid. And one of the reasons why it's like a catch 22, one of the reasons why we get stiff is because we don't move. But one of the reasons why we don't move is we're stiff. Yes. So it's yes. a cyclical thing, right? So it's really important, number one, to check with your doctor to make sure that, you know, starting to move or any kind of movement program is right for you, uh, depending on what your situation is. So that's my disclaimer. Uh, but what I usually do is I always say to people, you know, if you're really experiencing a lot of joint pain, the thing that we say is motion is lotion. As you begin to move the joints, even if even if you're just doing a wrist circle like this, you start to feel it tingle. And that's the joint heating up from the friction of that movement. And you can do that with any joint, right? You can do it with your neck, your head, your shoulders, right? Put your feet out if you're sitting in a chair and roll your ankles. So any kind of movement in a joint creates friction, which creates heat, which thins out that synovial fluid. So thinking of it like, um, like the oil in your car. Right. And, you know, on a really cold day, you say, I have to go warm up my car. Well, why do you warm up your car so that it runs better? And that that the viscosity, the word here is viscosity, the viscosity of that motor oil thins out and the motor starts to hum. Right. And it runs better. So if you're struggling right now with maybe an inflammatory thing or, you know, rheumatoid arthritis or arthritis or osteoarthritis, you know, talk to your physician first, your caregiver. Um, but then you can start sitting in a chair and just start to move the things that move, right? Move the things that move. The things that move. move. The things that move, right? Because that that motion will create the lotion inside the joint that'll decrease your pain. It'll bring the inflammation down. And actually, I've had people that started really simple exercise programs in their chair. Eventually, they got up. And yes. they start to walk more, right? Because they felt better. So, you know, motion can perpetuate motion, right? The worst thing we can do is sit still. And I know that sounds counterintuitive if you're in pain and I'm feeling that. I have empathy for you. Um, so that's why it's important to start slow, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you. Move the things that move. move. And I can attest to that. I was in a very bad accident and mm -hmm. I have a ruptured disc in the lower part of my, of my spine that presses on that sciatic nerve. And so across my lower back, I can wake up in the morning and feel stiff. But yeah. the minute I get into my move the things, do little stretching, no. just stand up and lift my arms above my head that stretches out and kind of aligns my spine that loosens up mm -hmm. and then I can go into my exercise routine. So again, it, I'm not talking about, Janine's not talking about anything that we haven't done. Again, we can't give you medical advice. We can right. give you ideas 
and some mm-hmm. solutions that you want to discuss, right? We're putting a waste management team around us. So if physically we want to make some improvements there, we got some trash we got to get out there, build that team around you. That's your physicians. It might be a health coach. It might be a life coach, somebody who does both that helps to hold you accountable. The coach does not give you the advice of what to do. The coach partners with you to help discover what is best for you and to be a partner to keep you accountable to the things you say you want to do. Your physician will diagnose. Right. Want to make sure that's perfectly clear. But try some of these small things. This, no doctor is going to tell you, no, eat that cookie. Don't drink that water. Nobody's going to tell you that, right? So little things like that you can start to do. And just slowly, as Janine said, roll your shoulders, roll your neck, take deeper breaths throughout the day. Be aware of your breath shallow and short intentionally take deep breaths throughout the day to release tension in your body. All of those kinds of things are 1% better ideas that you can start to use if you find yourself in a crisis situation and starting to have some of these physical implications. So great conversation today, Janine. A lot of good recommendations and insights for us. And so everybody, listen to this one again. Listen to five and six together. Take away from it what you need. If there's somebody in your life, if maybe it's not you, but there's somebody you love and care about, share this with them. Connect with us at Let's Talk Trash underscore podcast. Put comments, put questions and We'll answer those things to the best of our ability. And if we cannot, we will direct you to professionals who can. We want to be part of your team. We want to be part of the healing. So until next time, let's make every day trash day. We'll see you again soon. Bye for now.